Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. Oh, good morning. Good morning, Vox. How are you? Sorry I was late. Uh, we were praying backstage. I'm not being funny. I'm, we were really praying, and so we got caught up. But the team is great. We're having a, a good time. We were laughing and joking, and we're excited about being here together with you guys. And uh, thank you guys for showing up. Uh, my name is Ronnie. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, a couple things, if you haven't uh, been with us or if you're new to Vox, is uh, this church, we, we believe that this is the safest place to talk about anything. Uh, and so because of that, we welcome questions, we welcome feedback, uh, thoughts, concerns, all that sort of stuff. We, we want to hear from you. And so uh, we'll have a number that'll be on the screen during the message, during the whole service. If you have questions, text them in. Um, we can usually answer them here uh, the next week or the week after, or sometimes we'll do a Facebook Live, depending on how in-depth the question is, uh, but they do matter to us, and it's a, it's a huge part of what we do, and so uh, we invite questions and feedback to be a part of uh, what we do. So uh, this morning, a couple things before we get started. Bonnie is here with us. She's all the way from Austin today to be with us. Yes, we're excited, excited. Uh, a couple things. Um, her and her husband on Thursday are doing a Facebook Live uh, event, so uh, if you want to tune in, you can. Uh, the good thing about Facebook, Facebook Live is that uh, if you can't log in during the actual live event, it'll It'll always be on there so you can watch it later and you can still um, ask questions or comment in there and then uh, the team or even Bonnie herself will go back on and answer some of the questions. So it's kind of a neat medium in that we can have conversations and dialogue during those sorts of things. So we invite you to do that. Um, That'll be this Thursday, probably like seven o'clock or so. Um, the other thing is, is we have a, a, a Vox meetup that we're going to do August 8th. Uh, that's a Wednesday night. It'll be in South County. So uh, for those of you who are in South County, it's like right next door. It's just sort of a meetup hangout kind of thing for us where we want to kind of just get to know each other in a, in a different setting outside of uh, these walls. And so it's at Docent Brewing. I think we have a, yeah, there we go. Uh, it's at Docent Brewing, August 8th, 7 p.m. So for those of you who are coming after work, there's food there. So you don't have to worry about it. So you can get food and some stuff. And we'll hang out and we'll just chat and we'll kind of just hang out and see how the night goes. I mean, there's no real like schedule or anything like that agenda, just kind of hang out. So invite you to that. If you want to bring friends to that, it's a great way to kind of get people involved and connected that way as well. So we invite you to do that as well. I think that's about it. Is there anything else? Maybe I'm missing something. It's a blank screen, so I'm thinking that's it. So uh, I think I'm done. I don't have anything else for you. Uh, I think we're just going to go ahead and bring out Bonnie. Bonnie is here. Bonnie, why don't you come on out? Yes. So she just traveled, and so for those of you who haven't traveled or don't travel a lot, when you're traveling for work, sometimes it's hard, especially when you have to preach a message and you've been sitting on a plane and you're traveling. So what I want to do is just pray for you, if that's okay, before yeah. we start. So, uh, God, we thank you so much for uh, for Bonnie. We thank you for her gifting. Thank you for the way that you have spoken into her life, um, the way that you're using her, uh, and the message that she has this morning, which we are excited about. We pray that you would speak clearly through her, that you'd calm her, her nerves, her soul, her heart, um, allow her to be your mouthpiece. We are here. We're receptive to you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hello, everyone. When I got in the car uh, at 5.30 this morning in Austin, it was 85. And I said, nope. Um, so today, this is an exercise in um, <clears throat> humility for me. So I asked Andy for a whiteboard. 
And in my head, I pictured a big whiteboard, but because I'm not a mathematician, I gave wrong dimensions. However, I think Andy is working on, as I'm writing, he's going to project it on the screen. Is that true, Andy? Yeah. <laughs> I can't see him, but I can hear him. Oh, look at that. Okay, wow, that's not what I was thinking we'd see up there. Okay. <laughs> Startling. Um, all right, so... For those of you that don't know me, my name is Bonnie. I live in Austin. I used to live here, and sometimes I get to come out and preach, which is one of my favorite things to do. I love being with your community, and one of the reasons I love being with Vox is you guys are really good at being vulnerable, both up here and um, out there. And I love that because for those of you that don't know me or even that do, but maybe we haven't talked in a while, you know only what has been said about me this morning, right? <clears throat> I flew in here. I was too hot in Texas. I'm not a mathematician and I'm with you now. And that's just kind of the story that you know that's in front of you. But each of us has a story like that that we put out and then we also have a story behind the story. Right, So there's a lot of things about me that you don't know, and that's how we'll get to know one another, if we're vulnerable enough to show each other our stories that are behind the story. And I actually believe that to be true about our relationship with God and also how we read the Bible. I think one of the biggest things that's plagued the evangelical church is that we sort of put the Bible, um, but more so the people in the Bible, on these pedestals, and we forget that they were real humans. We forget that they had real stories, they had real hurts and real pains. And the problem with that is when we do that, it's hard to connect with what we're reading or what we're hearing. And I grew up in the church, I um, went to Christian school, and I've been to seminary, and still sometimes, confession, I read the Bible and I'm like, this means nothing to me. Because I don't always understand the story behind the story. And so today we're going to talk about a story that you have probably heard many times. Uh, we are talking about when God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. So if you have your Bibles, it's in Genesis 25. I am going to be on the whiteboard and writing and doing things, so it won't be necessarily a direct reading, but you can follow along there and I'll try to point out the appropriate verse when we have it. Um, but so how many have you heard this story before? Right. Okay. Almost everyone. So the narrative normally for the story goes something like this. It starts in um, like Abraham. Look at where he messed up. I'm also not an artist. Okay. This is going to be fun, you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to Amateur Hour. Um, okay. So... Um, the story starts, and there is, Abraham is there, and there is this voice that calls out to him. This is a megaphone. I promise I won't tell you what everything is, but if you don't know what it is, tell me. Um, this is, and um, a voice calls out to Abraham, and the voice says, Abraham, I want you to take your, your, uh, your son, your one and only son, the one that you love, and I want you to go, and I want you to sacrifice him on a mountain. And then, as the story has been taught to us, is like this big story about Abraham's faith, right? 
that like he was this man and God asked him to do something, no matter how ludicrous or barbaric it seems. And he had such great faith. He just like packed his kid up, went to the mountain and he did it. And for me, I read that story and I have a problem connecting with it. Because to be dead honest, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with serving a God that asks us to do something like that. That makes me uncomfortable, right or wrong. I'm also uncomfortable with someone named Abraham, who's supposed to be a hero of the faith that just gets up and does it without asking any questions. That makes me uncomfortable about other heroes in our faith and what does it mean to be someone of great faith. And so I want to zoom out today. I want to take this story and I want to zoom out and look at it from a bunch of different angles in hopes that we can actually find something that's relatable in there to us so that we can start to reach out to God in those places. So in uh, in the ancient Near East, there's actually, uh, they believed in lots of different gods. There's a god of the moon. There's a god of the sun. There's a god for almost everything. There's a god of the crops. And Abraham and his family, they actually believed in these different gods. They were polytheists, which means they believed in many gods. And so Abraham um, and his whole family, for generations and generations and generations, were pagans. And their main god that they worshipped was actually the god of the moon. And the god of the moon's name actually is Sin. Now, Christians love to like take this and be like, oh my gosh, see Sin, pagan god. No, it's just a name. Um, and so... Uh, they worshiped the God of the moon, and it was so important to them that they did right by the gods. And how you would do that is you would offer sacrifices to these different gods, and if the gods were pleased with your sacrifices, then they would give you rewards in return. And each god kind of represented something. So the God of the moon in particular represented fertility. And so Abraham and his entire family and his wife, Sarah, they worshipped the god of the moon. And so they did everything they could to worship all the gods. And actually, they lived a very comfortable life. Where their town was, it was actually a port city. And so it was um, lavish. They had everything they needed. And so by the outlook of it, they had done everything they needed to do, gave all the proper sacrifices to the different gods. But we find out in scripture that Sarah is actually barren, and she's not able to have kids. And so here they are. They are spending and devoting their entire lives to worshiping the God of fertility, and Sarah can't have any children, and it's the one thing they want the most. And so we actually find Abraham in this place of conflict, right? He has this deep need and desire. They are a married couple in a fertility journey. Infertility, they can't conceive, and that is heartbreaking for them. And so that's where we find Abraham. And when I hear that, I think to myself, like, what would that feel like? Would that feel embarrassing? Would it feel shameful? Would certainly feel doubtful? Would you feel angry? All of that is right here, before the story even begins. 
And so in Genesis 12, let's, we're going to back up from this, this story of um, Abraham and Isaac first just to give some background. In Genesis 12 is actually the call of Abraham, and that's when it says Genesis uh, 12.1 says, The Lord had said to him, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. And so this voice says that to him. He says, hey, Abraham, look, I know that you and your entire country and your people and your family, I know that you guys are here and you've built your entire life around this one city, but I want you to leave. And when you leave, he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so what's interesting here is we read this as like, oh, he was a pagan that worshiped all these different gods. And then the God of the universe, Yahweh, asks him, and so he just stops worshiping those gods and he turns to Yahweh. But actually historians and um, other theologians agree that he was probably still a polytheist. Instead of getting rid of these other gods, he actually just added this voice god to the lineup. It's like, oh, this is another god that I can worship. But this God is telling me to go, and because he's promising me something that I want more than anything, of course I am going to go. And so scripture tells us that Abraham and Sarah, they pick up and they move their family. They move their son, or excuse me, they don't have their son. They move their servants, and they move all the way to the land of Canaan, and they start building a life in Canaan. And so you get, he gets to Canaan, and it's easy for us to gloss over that, but think about what that was like. He had to move his family. He had to move from this whole belief system, his entire tribe, the entire realm of comfort that he's known, and he got up and left, but he did it because something was promised to him that he wanted more than anything. And I don't know about you, but I would have gone... So it makes sense. And when he gets to Canaan, the religion of Canaan is also paganism, but theirs looks a little bit different because how um, worship is marked to the gods in Canaan is through um, male and female prostitution as well as child sacrifice. And that matters because about 10 years into Canaan, Sarah says, you know what? I'm fed up. This voice God that you followed that made us move, that told us, I still, I still don't have any children. And so what I want you to do is I actually want you to sleep with our servant, Hagar. I want you to sleep with her. And then that way we'll have a son. And so he does. And to us, that seems crazy. But in a world where female and male prostitution was the norm in a way of worship, then of course, that's what he does. And so he, he sleeps with Hagar, and they have a son named Ishmael. And then the Lord comes, and this is all very um, shortened at this point. Um, but then the Lord comes, and he says, I am going to give your wife a son. And Sarah has a son named Isaac. And... Um, Sarah gets jealous and upset, and so she actually sends Hagar and Ishmael away. And so then living is Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, and they're living in Canaan, and finally they have what it is they were looking for. 
Until one night, until one night when this voice calls out again. It's the same voice, and this voice calls out and says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your one and only son, the one that you love, and I want you to sacrifice him. This is Genesis 25. I'll read that part out loud so we can hear hear the language that's used. Let me find it. Maybe it's not 25. 22. 22. Genesis 22. Okay. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go um, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. And so Abraham, he hears this voice, and so he just gets up and he goes. And he starts packing everything that needs to be packed. And it says that he left early in the morning with Isaac and his servants, and he doesn't tell Sarah about it because would you? And so they start walking. And scripture doesn't tell us what they say. It's actually like definitely quiet. And that's part of the literary structure there to kind of build tension of what's going on on this journey up to the mountain. But scripture does tell us that it takes three days to get up to where the sacrifice will take place. And if we look closely, we can find some clues about what's happening inside of Abraham on this three-day trek. So the first clue is that the uh, beginning of the verse in 22, it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. It's this word, test. Now, the Hebrew translation for the word test is not how we would translate it. The Hebrew translation means to feel out, to see where someone's at, to find out what it is they're thinking and feeling and doing and believing. See, I think we usually look at that as this some God who's up there with this ridiculous checklist that he's waiting to see if we can cross it off. And that's not at all what's happening. God is saying to Abraham, who are you? What is it that you still believe? Are we still believing all of these lineup? Or do we have a different thought about who I am? And the book of Genesis is about that. Genesis literally means beginning. It's the first chapter of the book of the Bible. And yes, it talks about the beginning of the world, but expanded the entire book is all about God meeting his people and his people meeting God. And so just as much as God is trying to feel out where Abraham is, commentators suggest that Abraham is also actually trying to figure out who God is. Who is this voice? He doesn't talk, he doesn't ask the same things that the other gods do, yet right now he's asking me to sacrifice my son. And as we discussed, that would have been normal, but there's confusion there. Who is this God? And so they are on this journey together, trying to figure out who each other are. Now the second thing that we can get a clue about is that repeatedly in this chapter, it says that Abraham lifts his eyes up. 
What's interesting about this phrase is it's repeated over and over again. And when something is repeated over and over again in scripture, it's our clue to say, okay, something's there. That means something. And so I was on the phone with my friend who's a rabbi, and we were discussing this. And she said, you know, in um, ancient Jewish literature, the only time someone's eyes are down is because they feel ashamed. They feel ashamed of what they're doing, but no one talks about being ashamed, and so they talk about having their eyes up, and that alerts the reader to knowing that their eyes were down. And so we get a clue about how Abraham's feeling. Abraham woke up, and he listened to this voice, and he said, okay, I'll go and do it. But there's a sense that he knows something's not right here. He knows, I don't feel good about what I'm doing. I don't feel good about getting up and not telling my wife and taking my son to be sacrificed. And the third clue we have here is um, the the Hebrew words for God. So at the beginning of the story, the word for God is Elohim, which is the generic word for deity. And so the story starts out that this voice God is just another generic God. But then as the story plays out, it says that Abraham and Isaac, they finally made it up to the mountain. And Abraham places Isaac on the altar. And just before he's about to sacrifice him, an angel of Yahweh comes and says, no, don't. And so there's an idea here that it starts out as... Elohim and ends in the notion of Yahweh. There's a journey of faith that Abraham goes on during these three days where he's figuring out who he is and God then says, I would never ask that of you. I am not like these other gods. I am not like the ones that would ask you to worship, to sacrifice your son and to worship other deities. I ask I would never ask that of you. And so these are the three clues we can find out that we discover that actually Abraham is on this huge faith journey this whole time. He's trying to figure out who this God is. And by the end of it, he realizes he's not in this lineup anymore. He is someone who stands on his own. And so The journey down the mountain, I mean, imagine what that is, right? I mean, that's this entire unraveling. Because you have Abraham who followed something his entire life and then met this new voice who, instead of asking for something awful and barbaric, gave, showed love and grace and mercy. And then he has to turn to his own son and explain all of that and say, I'm so sorry. I was going to do this, and then I didn't, and here's why. And then you have the feelings of Isaac you have to deal with. Imagine what he feels like. Confused, betrayed. I mean, that conversation is probably the most horrific and horrendous conversation that they've ever had to have, but God gives them three days to head back down the mountain, and the unraveling begins. And that isn't all. When he gets down, he goes to his home to find Sarah, and Sarah isn't there. 
Now, scripture does not tell us what happened to Sarah, but commentary after commentary after commentary suggests that Sarah actually found out what happened. She woke up to an empty house. She could not find her son. She could not find the servants. She could not find her husband and asked around. And someone said, oh, Abraham went to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac. And so Sarah left. She leaves. We don't ever hear that part of the story, do we? Scripture tells us that she left. That's an equivalency to what you think it is. Someone leaving, gone, they're just done. She left. And so Abraham gets home and he wants to tell Sarah about this Yahweh that he has encountered and what he did and how he saved their son and she is nowhere to be found. And a few verses later, it tells us that Sarah has passed and Abraham has to go to her, which means that when she died, she was not with Abraham. And again, theologians and commentators speculate that the reason she died was from a broken heart. Because she couldn't believe that Abraham had said yes and that Isaac was no more. And so in this story... We have the story. We have the story about what it means to have faith. But we also have the story of something so much bigger. We have people that are dealing with infertility. We have the journey to a new home and a new place. We have internal conflicts in which we are all in process. We have what it means to recognize and to hear God's voice. We have the confrontation within ourselves that sometimes we are so punch drunk in love with our religion that we find ourselves doing, saying, thinking, breathing things that we're not even sure are the right thing. And we have to take a step back. We have to say, who is this talking? And so we have that. We have betrayal of somebody's dad who hurt them, of somebody's mom who left of somebody who is utterly and completely confused because everything that they grew up on seems to be no longer correct. We have the journey of the unraveling in and of itself, of an evolving faith in which we have to pick apart and say, what is it that I have believed for so long that isn't a representation of who God is? What is it that I think God is asking of me and asking me to do and God is saying, no, I would never do that? See, the beauty of this story is that God could have just said that to him, right? He could have just said, this is what I'm about. I I ask for love and I don't ask for you to sacrifice your son. I mean, spoiler alert, we know that he sacrifices his own son later, right? But Abraham doesn't know that. God could have done that. But what God does in his grace and in his mercy is he meets Abraham right where he's at. And he says, look, I know that this is what you think that gods do. I know this is what you believe. And so I'm going to meet you there and I'm going to show you how I am completely and utterly different. And that I would never ask that of you. And so we have that. That's part of our faith journeys is that God often meets us in those places and says, hey, I want to dismantle a few things. I want to dismantle what you think about me that isn't true so that we can meet each other for the first time again. And then we also have grief. 
and loss. Dang, every time. I try hard to not cry, but it never works out. Um, four years ago, we... I checked myself into um, the hospital. I was pregnant with our second son. And I checked myself in, and they said, we're so sorry, but um, there is no heartbeat, and there is no fetal movement. And so um, he had passed in the womb. And so we, I went through 36 hours of labor, and we ended up delivering him as a stillborn. And I remember thinking that I didn't think that I would recover. And until I've read this story a hundred times. And until I read and focused and zoomed in here on Sarah, finally it made a little more sense to me. I finally understood, like, oh, that's what she felt. Of course, that's what she felt. And I finally felt a little bit less alone. See, what I want us to see is that there are stories in the Bible that we have maybe all heard a hundred times. But sometimes they just feel void because we've only heard one story. But if we zoom out, if we take time, if we put in a little extra work and we look for these other stories, we realize that there's something in there for all of us. There's part of us in each of them and a part of them in each of us. And I think just like when two people sit down and we're vulnerable with each other and we get to talk to each other and talk about what it is that's going on, and we let our guards down, and we find a connection, and we find healing. I think the Bible has that for us, too. And I think when we can find that in the stories, I think that's where God can meet us, and he can come into those places. There is something that you may see of yourself either that you were, you are, or you can tell us coming in one of these stories. And if not that, I guarantee there's someone you know that's in one of these. And so we can develop empathy for what they might be going through. But all of us are on this journey. We're all in process. Our faith should be this constant questioning, feeling out, testing, and asking so that things can be dismantled, so that we have a right, correct view of who God is, and so that we know he really does get what it is we're going through. So let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you. Um, I thank you for the way that your word um, never truly gets old, the way that it's living and active. And I ask, Lord, that um, today that we would just take a minute during worship, that we would just find our story, 
in this way. We thank you that you chose real humans um, and real people and real situations because they have real meaning to us. I see you'd be with us. I see you'd bring peace and hope and comfort to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, well, it's been a good morning. Thank you guys for showing up. Uh, early, I was just thinking about back there, as a pastor or someone who works at a church, sometimes uh, you can take for granted uh, the gathering that we have, and I wanted to make sure that that never happened. So I just need to th- say thank you for a couple things. I want to thank um, all the people who show up uh, and volunteer, because we have a huge volunteer core that come and make this whole thing possible. Thank you to our musicians, yes, who come and show up. Thank you, guys. Um, they give up their time uh, to be here, and it's, it's without them, it's not possible. Um, we're thankful for the people who serve in the children's department. Thank you for helping out with our kids and our babies. Gosh. Um, there are people who believe in what we do so much, they, they support us financially. And so thank you for your, your money that you give to this and our team. Yes, yes, yes. And our team works really hard every single week to make sure that we take every dime and that we use it in a way that is God-honoring and helping to change our community. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of this community and inviting others to be a part of it. We're grateful for this chance to do it. So um, as you go this week, may God bless you. May continue to walk in his grace. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox community at voxoc.com slash participate.